This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Si, senor. Hey, dimly lit room where deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And you know what? Today, on a Monday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. America's veterans from Lexington and Concord to today. We honor you. A most respectful Veterans Day, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to sprinkle some Veterans Day through the uh, through the program. Um, I'll have to text my brother as a veteran and my dad. The uh, Trump's going to lead the uh, 100th New York Veterans Day Parade. Yep. So they started the Veterans Day Parade the year after the end of World War One, which was 101 years ago. So uh, was it called Veterans Day from the beginning? Or was that was, Armistice Day? I think it was Day. Armistice, Armistice Day. Day right? Yeah, at, at that time, right? And that yeah. was kind of with the idea that, well, that was the worst war the world has ever seen, and surely we won't do anything like that again. Right? And, the war to end all wars. And uh, wars continue. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll sprinkle stuff like that uh, throughout the program. We're both big fans of the military and the role that it plays. If you didn't have armies, you wouldn't have wars. Um, Thanks, idiot. <laughs> Now let the grown-ups speak. Uh, that's my straw man voice. I've got a special straw man voice. Throws out arguments that I can easily defeat. Makes me feel good about myself. That's my straw man voice. Um, let's introduce everybody in the squad. We'll kick off the show by uh, starting with Michelangelo, our board operator. Pr- pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing good. Uh, yesterday was kind of a tough day. Um, I had... An incident where all, I don't know if you've ever been, we've all had, where nature is called almost immediately, and you need to go, and the reason sure, I'm saying we this. generally call it around here the burden of Damascus. Yes, and um, I was in a rural area, and there was nothing around me, and so anyway, I was out, we were out with the, I was out with the fiance, so we're driving on the highway, driving on the highway, and it, anyway, so I'm running alongside the road looking for a place to hide and do Wow, this you'd, story you'd, is... Wait a second, no, you, no, you, there, you stopped the car and gotten out? Uh, yeah, and now she you're running alongside the road looking for a... And all there was was a ledge over the other side. I mean, it was like straight down. And so uh-huh. I said, no, so i got to run back into the car. She takes off. Wow. We, go, we just go to the next exit, and we end up at an Indian casino... And I realized that I don't know where the restrooms are, so I'm running through the I'm running through where the you know the slot machines are, and I run back to the car and I said, "Let's try somewhere else." And oh then, my god! Oh, wait a <laughs> what the what? <laughs> I uh, anyway. They have to have a bathroom there by I, law, I, I, I and just to keep your customers happy. I couldn't find it, and so anyway, so I did. I'm, you consider asking someone? Yeah, I think the point I, of this, this story point, is you're no, bad at finding At, at this point, <laughs> I'm in such despair that I can't, you know, I don't even want to talk to anybody because I'm just holding it. She took the time to park at the no, Indian no, Casino. No, she just like... Oh, she dropped no. you off. You went all the way in. I just popped in. I looked at the sign. There was no sign for restrooms. I ran back just to ran the back car. Out. Okay. She drives off again. So we go to another exit. There's nothing there. Finally, I say... You know what? I think my parents aren't home. They live nearby or something. So I snuck into their house, used their restroom, and then left and have not told them. That. <laughs> so, you went into your parents' house without them knowing you went in? Yes. Wow. And um, so. <laughs> 
Which, I, I just feel ashamed. <laughs> how long did this whole urgent situation oh, last? Geez. It seems like it had to have been 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, at least. It, it, it was bad. But oh. it's just it was a comedy of errors, and i I just grateful that I made it. And Well, I know what We're I'm getting. We're all get- grateful, Michael. I know what I'm getting you for a wedding present. Adult diapers. <laughs> very odd I don't story. Know. I, I know it's a very odd story, but... Well, I'm troubling. You know. I, well, I think it's good your fiancé knows who she's marrying. Yeah. Definitely. You know, all the way through and through. <laughs> the incontinent. You're not hiding anything from her at this point. No, it was just very unfortunate. <laughs> and I hope I never, ever, ever have something like that again in my life. But it's just... There is positive Sean whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Uh, doing very well. Had a... I think I, I fell in love this past weekend with a, a little thing called a rooftop bar, gentlemen. Mm. I uh, I did a tour of several rooftop bars as uh, as I was jaunting about, and uh, I learned a couple things. One, views are phenomenal. Uh, two, if your bartender is wearing a carpenter's smock, you're going to get a drink with big ice cubes in it, oh. guaranteed. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was a delightful time. I was uh, floating around. I actually, ended up bumping into some of the listeners of uh, of A and G show. Shout out to Dex. And his uh, his lovely wife for uh, for being able to to pick me out of a crowd randomly, um, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a great time. Did a uh, did a tour of a, a military uh, aircraft carrier as well. Got to see all sorts of giant fighter planes, and it was uh, it was fantastic. I had, I had a great weekend, and uh, I, I cooked my own steaks at a restaurant. That was exciting. Yes, we should talk about the uh, Armstrong and Getty show trip. We took the the entire crew went on a trip uh, on Friday uh, over the weekend, and uh, we have tales to tell, and our favorites tell about Marshall. We'll have to uh, <laughs> toss into the story later. Uh, there's Marshall Phillips. Who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? Well, I got to tell you, coming back from that field trip, I wound up on a half-empty plane. I had a whole row of oh, seats that's awesome to myself. That I haven't had that happen forever. I know. I haven't been on a plane that wasn't full in I don't know how long, but good I for know. you. I know. And the flight attendants awarded me free Chardonnay for being charming. Wow. <laughs> I was just amazing. So charming they give you free booze. Yes. Wow. Yes. She said, you know, you've been so much fun, no charge. Wow. That's fantastic. And then she wow. said, shh. Was she hitting on you? Clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention that, you know what? By uh, the modern logic, that is discrimination against the non-charming. Yeah, that's Everyone true. Everyone else on that oh. plane has ample uh, grounds for a lawsuit, in my opinion. Che- check your charming privilege, Marshall. If anything <laughs> is good for anyone, it must be good for everyone at all times. Recognize your charming privilege, Marshall. Yeah. We're not Check charming your like you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now you're making so me did you horrible. did you lay down? That's what I've always liked I when I got three seats. I stretched I just out lay for down. A while. Yeah, there you I go. I stretched out. I sat by the window. Then I sat in the middle of the seat with my arms just a spread seat out. Jumper. <laughs> then I sat in the aisle and leaned over. You know. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I did. That's, I did. I loved it. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this, it is uh, Monday, November 11th, known as Veterans Day, the year 2019. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, then let's begin officially according to FCC rules. Regs. Here we go. At Mark, President Harding officiated at the interment ceremonies at the Memorial Amphitheater at Arlington National Cemetery. He conferred upon the unknown soldier the Medal of Honor and the Distinguished Service Cross. Representatives of foreign governments allied with the U.S. in World War I participated as well, bestowing upon the unknown their own highest military awards. Where is the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Is that uh, Arlington? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. I have been there. I'd forgotten. 
Uh, and is that something uh, Trump does today, too, or is that Memorial Day when the president uh, usually goes and puts mm, a wreath somewhere? I, I think that's Memorial Day. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think so, indeed. What are other headlines, Marshall Phillips? Well, we've got the Hong Kong protests taking a really ugly turn. Nikki Haley claims top cabinet members tried to get her to join the Trump resistance, and a new era has arrived. The Gattaca embryo gene tests are here. Okay, I want to hear what that is. Yeah. Uh, got new uh, battleground state polls that are out today, just like in the last hour, and Biden's doing really well. <laughs> so, uh, all right. How does that inform one Michael right. Bloomberg? I wonder. <laughs> anyway, how does mailbag right. look? The hourly poll. The hourly poll. Why don't we just have them come out every fifteen minutes? Then we'll really be up to date. Mailbag's fine. We have some weekly shower thoughts and a whole lot of good stuff. Awesome. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So a couple of things. I mentioned Joe poo-pooed my polls, but these are significant in my opinion. And uh, Just like the other ones. And I'll explain why coming up. Also this week, not only does impeachment start on TV Wednesday, but uh, President of Turkey is in D.C. for a joint press conference with Donald Trump. Now, Turkey, wait a minute. Turkey, who invaded Syria and took on the Kurds and that whole dust-up, they're going to be standing up side-by-side taking questions. Well, that I think be, that's good. It's that could good be exciting. getting together. That could be exciting. Yeah, they're both uh, not secured cannons. No so, way. we'll see. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, that's good, though. I mean, they're a NATO ally. Mm. Sort of, kind of. Front of me. Mailbag. But you know there will be questions like, did you feel like it was a green light? You know, that sort of stuff. Here your weekly shower thoughts is compiled by Rich in Salt Lake City. Girls are so used to compliments that insults stick out to them. Guys are so used to insults that compliments stick out to them. True that. I just mentioned uh, to a woman who I had just met, uh, we were... We're sitting around, and I think it was positive Sean and Michael walked by, and I said, keep moving, losers. She said, oh, my God, I hope you know those people. I said, yeah, they're they're friends. <laughs> and I, I shared with her the uh, eternal wisdom that women exchange compliments they don't mean to prove they're friends, while men exchange insults they don't mean to prove they're friends. But men and women are social contracts. There's no different. There's no different. I like this one. Your future self is spying on you through memories. <laughs> Your future self is... Oh, okay. oh okay. gotcha, buddy. Gotcha. <laughs> Quit looking at me. Quit looking at me. I'm doing the best I can. Don't be making any jokes about me either. Depression and anxiety. One convinces you nobody cares, and the other one that everybody cares what you do. Depression and, and anxiety. And that's weird. I I, I, I don't uh, suffer from either, thank God, but um, I understand they go together a lot, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. I, you know, I might characterize depression a little interest, a little more, a little differently, I should say, but um, uh, yeah, it's, it's thought-provoking. Well, the point is they're both uh, out of balance, out of accuracy, out of usefulness, so 
And, may, and one of the most important things going on in America, are we doing something? Yes. Either culturally, <laughs> either culturally or with uh, chemicals or rays from our phones or something mm. that is causing more of this to happen. Maybe several things. We're going to be recording the uh, brand new book club podcast with uh, Tim the lawyer and, and Craig the healthcare guru tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Pinker's, uh, what's it called? Apocalypse Now? Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Um, but one of the topics of it is how much better the world is getting by any objective measure. You know, there's uh, more food and more nutrition, less infant mortality, fewer wars. I mean, it's just ev- practically everything is better. And yet the uh, the suicide rate is on the rise and the death rate is, is uh, for, or I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, the lifespan is on the decline for certain demographic groups. And, and half of everybody's on some sort of anxiety medicine. Yeah. The, the world is so scary. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to having that discussion at length about what's going on there. Hope you can check it out. It'll be posted at armstrongandgetty.com when it happens. On a much lighter note, I mean a much lighter note, Bugs Bunny. Cherished cartoon creature. Bugs Bunny is the same size as a fully grown human, which is terrifying. (laughs) And stands erect. Right. But (laughs) walking, talking rabbit. Let's see. The topic here is my four-year-old will wrap a chain around your head. Guys, we're enjoying a Veterans Day weekend with some friends in Reno. Just caught my four-year-old saying, I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. You're not going to wrap this chain around your head. Purely joking around with his friend. He has no idea what he's saying. Guess mom and I better uh, keep PG content on the radio. Sheesh. LOL. Thanks for being the brightest spot in our uh, California life. Fags forever. Brian and Andrea. That's nice. Uh, Good news for Joe Biden in the polls I've got coming up, which Joe has dismissed. You'll be. uh, How good? How good is the news? Yeah. I'd say it's the best news he's had in a long time. All right, then. A long time. In fact, it might be the people hold off a little on pulling the plug. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. There's a hand on the plug, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, let's see. C. Busy, always, always a fascinating correspondent, writes on the topic of Seth Meyers and his special on the Netflix, and you can skip the Trump jokes if you want. I meant to watch that this week, and I didn't get around to it. The Trump-skipping technology is for real, but goes way deeper than audience appeasement. Tech companies are all about big data, and Netflix is no different. They'll tally all the information, including number of skips, which jokes were skipped, the geography of those skipping, the actual account holders, and be able to know things such as which geographies had the most skips, the actual account holders that skipped with their emails, of the geographies with the most skips, what's the dominant political party? Of repeat views in households, which hours did skips occur or not occur? Of multiple profile accounts, which profile skips, which didn't? What's the general viewing habit of skip viewers and non-skip viewers? For example, do skip viewers prefer action movies and non-skip viewers prefer drama, etc.? Not saying Netflix would sell this, but this data would be gold to political parties. It's mm. a good point. Netflix is going to lose maybe half their subscribers this week. The Disney thing? Got that story coming up later. Yeah. Okay, the, I gave the, it away. The streaming wars are on. They started a couple of weeks ago, and they really uh, are hitting their maturity this week and next. Mm. You remember how I said on a much lighter note? Well, this is a much more serious note. Dan the Dumb Drummer writes, Hello, my friends. With the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall, I noticed this interesting tidbit. The original name of the Berlin Wall was the 
anti-fascist Schutzwall or the anti-fascist bulwark. I think one of those words you can't say. Isn't it interesting how often oppressive regimes or organizations can claim anti-fascism fascism as their cause? Yeah, I'm talking to you, Antifa. We should be on guard any time we hear that term. I don't know what that next word was you said. What? Schutzwall? That's what Michael was looking for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, Could geez. not find it. Oh, my God. In my experience, Indian casinos have lovely facilities. Well-maintained, etc. Yeah, uh, the Wall Street Journal had a great article about the streaming wars and how they're shaping up this month. With, uh, I thought we were still in the toilet. <laughs> streaming wars, I get it. And uh, some of the numbers are pretty shocking. And it's a perfect example of me being an idiot. And that what I was saying six months a year ago was so clearly true, and I should have invested on my own advice. No! I'm too dumb to think that way. You need an advisor. I need to advisor. Look, when you realize this, that's when you should invest in this. You have one job. When I say that's really cool, you say, buy stock! You idiot! Uh, Marshall's News and those new polls next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Boy, oh boy, interesting, the 2020 race. So I got those uh, Biden polls I'll hit you with after Marshall's newscast. But So Bloomberg, apparently that was a trial balloon, his his, his announcement last week to see how people would react. And yeah. the, the media liked the idea better than people did. He immediately shows up in sixth place, though, at 4%. And there's, mm. a, there's a whole bunch of candidates out there been spending a lot of money and working really hard, and they haven't gotten close to his 4% in the polls. Right. Which puts him in sixth place. But he also debuts with the highest unfavorability of any candidate in the field. Really? That's yeah. interesting. I wouldn't think people would care that much about Michael Bloomberg one way or the other. I guess more people are aware of him than I would have guessed. Yeah. News now. Uh, If I might throw one more thing in, every candidate believes, everyone, that, well, my initial poll numbers are the base. And then we go up from there as I dazzle America with my message, my charm, my wisdom. And some of them are right, and many of them are wrong. They peak on the day they announce, Kamala. Um, Beto. It's very difficult to say which one Bloomberg would be. He's not bad. But I think he's way past his prime. News now with Marsha Phillips. Right, things are devolving in Hong Kong. Police there shot a protester as demonstrators blocked subway entrances and roads during the morning commute. The uh, protesters now undergoing surgery. Another man was set on fire during an argument about uh, loyalty to mainland China. Hong Kong Administrator Carrie Lam warning the protesters. If there is still any wishful thinking that by escalating violence, the Hong Kong ASEAN government will yield to pressure to satisfy the so-called political demands, I'm making this statement clear and loud here. That will not happen. I don't want to come off as uh, uh, on the side of the the communist Chinese government, but it's a difficult situation for them at this point. You got a giant city to run, yep. and the protesters are blocking off any way to run that city. Right. So what do you do? And then when you approach them to try to to try to say, "Yeah, look, you got to get out of the way of the airport so people can fly, and the train station so people can get away," you're immediately uh, faced with, "We're not going anywhere." And then as you get closer, they start throwing things at you. Right. So I don't I don't know what you do. I mean, if you were in a if you were just if you didn't have the political issues outside of it. I would probably be on the side of the cops saying you got to get these people out of there so the city can function. Right. The uh, 
I thought the strategy they were pursuing months ago, always peaceful, masses in the streets, we're all together in this, was was great. This, I mean, this pretty clearly is going to lead to a crackdown, a serious crackdown sooner or later, and then some sort of violent guerrilla movement. That's what I would guess. It's been going on for six months yeah. now. Yeah. But they shut down Which any... Is the, really a blink of an eye in, you know... Chinese regime's timetable. It's a long time in a running a major city uh, time period of time, though. Oh, yeah. If you're if you're trying to have people get to work and fly in and out and businessmen, it's one of the top financial hubs in the world, and nobody can get around town. So again, I sound like I'm on the side of the Chicoms on this, but I'm not. Former U.S. U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley says that there were top cabinet members who tried to get her to work against President Trump. She did an interview with CBS. And Haley talked about a claim in her new book that former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and the former Chief of Staff John Kelly said they were resisting the president's agenda because they were, quote, trying to save the country. The two reportedly tried to get her to join in, but she refused. Instead of saying that to me, they should have been saying that to the president, not asking me to join them on their sidebar plan. It should have been, go tell the president what your differences are and quit if you don't like what he's doing. She is so clearly positioning herself for 2024 or 2020. Or 2020. You know, things go the wrong way for the pres, although I doubt they will, given the Senate. And she she made it very clear that she didn't like most Americans. She didn't like Trump's uh, phone call. She didn't like the way he used power, but she doesn't think it's impeachable. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure the media right. was very disappointed in when this book came out. But yeah, she could be very easily positioning herself for, yeah, if things go really bad, I'm out there right away ready to run against Pence. I heard a chunk of an interview with her on Nakedly Progressive Radio in, uh, and then the follow-up conversation of the Nakedly Progressive uh, hosts there. And they said she is extremely skillful in... Uh, threading the needle, as they said it, between criticizing the president at times, but making it clear she's on his side, just that she has disagreements. Uh, and, and she is quite skillful at that. You wouldn't think that would be that difficult. More than 100 Mormons living in Mexico have now fled to the U.S. after last week's massacre that left nine members of their community dead. They lived in settlements in the Mexican state of Sonora, founded decades ago by a splinter group of the Mormon church, most of the residents picking up stakes left the same day as the funerals ended for the nine people, including the six children. So far, the Mexican authorities have arrested no one in that cartel attack. And we've got... Oh, by the way, we got it on what sounded like some pretty good information. The idea that it was a mistaken attack is laughable. Yep. There's history there. Uh, I... Got to keep this uh, fairly vague, but somebody with relatives who may know something about what the cartels are up to, right, uh, or at least have a good idea, say they don't go, they're not haphazard. These are serious organizations with serious budgets and a ton of money at stake. And if they shoot up two convoys in two places uh, in one day, it's because it was on purpose. Yeah. We have a new genetic test that aims to let hopeful parents pick smarter, taller, and healthier babies. Taking inspiration from the... I want a tall, smart baby. Yes. Like 11 feet tall. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Able to do calculus in his head. Super genius. (laughs) I mean, right out of the womb. Taking inspiration from the 1990... Can't ride in a normal plane seat, but just smart as a whip. 
Taking inspiration from the 1997 film Gattaca, Lawrence Teller, the founder of Genomic Predictions, created a DNA screening method that scores embryos with risk estimates for heart disease, diabetes, and a host of other illnesses. It also gives a report card on their predicted height and intelligence. Right now, the oh, test- so you can go down to the embryo store and you got like your top shelf stuff and then your your medium stuff, oh. then your call embryos, yeah. your uh, your cheap happy hour embryos, happy hour embryos. Right now, the test is being offered to hopeful parents at IVF clinics as an addition to standard tests that only screen for major abnormalities. The uh, film Gattaca imagined a society organized according to the results of genetic testing. And now it is really here. There have been a number of those uh, dramas, including Brave New World. Yes. You would know that if you were not a Delta. Anyway, moving along. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. So I promised you this, and you were hoping I wouldn't pay it off, but I did. I'm going to. And that's the uh, the battleground state polls. Now, so last week we hit you at the battleground state polls, which have become really popular right now. Instead of looking at Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, it's your battleground states. That's where the pre- presidency will be won or lost. Now you got my attention. Your Wisconsin, your Pennsylvania, your Michigan, your Florida. They throw in North Carolina and Arizona. Uh, th- those are the states you have to win. These are the ones Trump beat Hillary. That's why he's president. Mm-hmm. And also, we looked at those states last week, those very states, and found that it was pretty clear in those states that people didn't think impeach- impeachment and removal was a good idea. Yeah. So while nationally people are uh, okay with it, in those battleground states, no, they aren't. And that's where Biden is doing the best in those states. He's got double-digit or greater leads in all those states. I said, you kidding me. He's up 10 in Arizona. He's up 10 in Florida. He's up 10 in Michigan. He's up 15 in North Carolina, 10 in Pennsylvania. So uh, I don't know what that means, but, you know, so so maybe he's not wooing them in the, in the super progressive woke Iowa caucuses. Right. But in the battleground states with the working class where you got to win to become president, he's doing pretty well. So I don't know what that does for the big fundraising guys. Right. That information. Right. Yeah. I've I've always been troubled by the 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 dynamic where somebody will do really well, unexpectedly well or unexpectedly badly. You're just kind of mediocre in Iowa. And then oh the taking real momentum or no momentum. Oh, this is a real this this really shows weakness. When Iowa is a particular place with a particular bunch of people who caucus, and that's for pretty hardcore right. political participants. And just because it's first, it's given more weight. It's the way it works, though. I mean, I don't understand why it should or does, but it has in the past. Doesn't mean it will continue to. Yeah, I just I would like to call it out as dumb. But I mean, over here in New Hampshire, hey, it's like two days later, uh, we're going to vote too. Can you just pipe down and let us say something? And same with the other states, Super Tuesday, the rest of them. But historically, you don't do well in Iowa or New Hampshire. You're almost always done, even if you're a big name. Not you, a joke. You, just, you get out. Well, well, right. I think my point, though, is that a lot of that is a media creation and doesn't necessarily make any sense. Well, nothing has to stay the same way. Right. That's well, that's and, the and that's, it's not. That's the great Bloomberg uh, bet, which we'll have to talk more about later. But he he might try something completely new that works. Maybe skip all those early states because he's too late to get in, and just blanket. The Super Tuesday states with gazillions of dollars worth of ads. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be terrible for democracy if it turns out that works, that you don't need door-to-door retail 
um, uh, town hall style politics, people don't really need to know what you're about. They just see your TV ad. Right. Um, or if you're rich enough, you can. Uh, but but nobody's ever done that before. Yeah, I don't see that working. I don't see it working. Honestly, I think people are way too cynical. There are too many messages out there in the world. We're bombarded with them all the time. If that was ever going to work, it ain't now. Um, We got lots of stuff to talk about today, and it is Veterans Day, and we're going to talk about that some, certainly, because it should be talked about more. I just just saw a thing on uh, one media site that says, if you don't know why you have work off today, it's because I thought, what kind of person or place doesn't know it's Veterans Day? I get not knowing what Labor Day is or really digging Columbus Day, but come on. Understand Veterans Day for crying out loud. We'll have lots of that throughout the day on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Prescott telling us the other day that, you know, he's super confident right now. He is a guy who, when you asked him if he's extra motivated because of the contract situation, he said, not at all. I play for free. He got his mom a house. He's happy. He said sponsorships pay for a few other things. Yes, they do. A little longer than a few minutes later. Jack Prescott and his special relationship with his mom, Peggy Prescott. We've talked about her many, many times. She passed away in 2013, and he told us this week all he ever wanted to do was just take care of her and buy her a house. Apparently, I said that in some very mangled way, and I apologize <laughs> for that. So the long and short of that is they went with, the, and he bought his mom a house. His mom has been dead for six years. <laughs> So is this guy like a rookie or something? So that uh, uh, no, just a uh, uh, big contract kind of holdout. They came to oh, terms before oh. the season. I just so. think it's funny. I, yeah. Somebody said you got to clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, you know, not a big deal. But mm. that's the number one show in America, by the way. Year Sunday after night year football. After year, Sunday night football. Always mm. clear. Clearly, the number one show in America. Is it the uh, the Cowboys at Dallas and somebody or other? I chose not to watch last night. I don't know. Monday night. Football features the San Francisco 49ers, does it not? Correct. And there are rivals, the uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks. There you go. Yes. No such thing as a Seahawk. It's a fake animal. <laughs> All right, then. Um, and, of course, the 49ers, we've learned, are actually a really, really uncomfortable symbol for the woke crowd because the gold rush displaced native people and led to the conquest of the something or other and uh, not is that to getting in is that getting in and syphilis and and the rape of the environment too don't forget the environment is that getting in any momentum is that no. as a problem no i okay. don't think so okay no i just heard i mean it is san francisco so. lame brain bring it up yeah it it could happen sooner or later um and i will i will just roll my eyes when Become it comes the san francisco everybody should be equals i was uh Actually watching a little uh, football off the DVR last night. I had forgotten that I had instructed it to record uh, my fight in Illini taking on the hated Spartans of Michigan State and uh, launching the biggest comeback in the history of Illinois football. Wow. Uh, to beat them in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor? No. Spart- Spartanburg. No. They're the Spartans. <laughs> Wherever they play, nobody knows. They keep it hidden under a dome. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving along. So I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal, and I've been aware lately that the seven-year car loan 
is increasingly popular. Wow. I remember when the five-year ones came out and oh, thinking, yeah. wow, those payments are really low, but, man, that, that seems like a long time to be paying for a car, and you pay a lot of interest. Sean and I that. were in this conversation driving to the airport the other day about uh, w- w- the great move. That was one of the greatest things in the history of, um, uh, of, of capitalism is when the car manufacturers convinced people, no, 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 no. You just pay every month to own a car for the rest of your life so that people will just move from one car payment to another car payment to another car payment. Right. And it's just part of your life. You just build it into your life. Exactly. Well, and this Wall Street Journal piece has taken it even further. Apparently now the trend is seven years. Wow. Well, the headline is a $45,000 loan for a $27,000 ride. More borrowers are going underwater on car loans. As cars become more expensive, buyers are getting hampered by burning some loans. The long and short of this is people are trading in their cars while they're upside down, and you're upside down almost every minute you you got a car loan. Meaning, oh, absolutely, you, you got a twenty thousand dollar trade in, you still owe twenty five. Well, the car dealers and the finance companies are saying, "All right, no problem. There's twenty thousand. Well, you're five dollars in the red, five thousand dollars in the red. Your new car loan for this new car we're selling you is going to be for the value of your new car plus that five thousand dollars you own. Uh, you so they owe. build. No you, so they build your upside down into the new car. Right. Exactly. Oh wow. So oh, you my will God. buy a twenty-seven thousand dollar car and immediately. Oh, $45,000. Can you do that multiple times? Yes. So that like 10 years from now, I'm, I'm paying $100,000 to get into a $30,000 car. <laughs> right. At least theoretically, as car dealers now are making more money on arranging loans on the finance than the cars. Oh, sure. Yeah. The cars, it's like there are solar companies that exist to get you into the financial instrument of the lease. I mean, they just wanted to figure out a way to get you to take out a loan, and they thought about cars, they thought about God knows what, I don't even know, and they settled on, well, solar's hot, we'll do solar. So they exist for the paper. They don't exist to put in solar. Somebody needs to do a study on just, if you, how great would your financial life be if you never took out a car loan? You just, from the beginning, only drove cars you paid for. Right. That would be a life-changing decision. If you did that from the beginning. We have a friend who buys nothing but seven, eight, nine-year-old high-end luxury cars for practically nothing. Figures out per mile what the cost will be. He figures if I get 75,000 miles out of it, that'll be per mile. It's tiny. And he drives cool cars and he pays practically nothing. Uh, Moving along, though, I found this really interesting. The fact that in the Wall Street Journal, and this is, you know, it's a pretty clear-eyed article. Um, but they mention where is this one guy? He's had to, you know, he's way upside down now, and but he had to because the one car needed. Rep- oh, here it is. Um, he didn't intend to cycle through so many vehicles. He replaced one because it had a hundred thousand miles on it. <laughs> Wait a minute, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. A modern car? You have? Well, he had to trade it in. No, he's tired of it. And the excuse was it had 100,000 miles on it. I drove my That's old, uh, being bad with your money. I drove my old Chevy truck till it had 200,000 miles on it. And another when he went through a divorce. I don't know what happened there or who got what, but... And changed cars again when his new family was expanding. All right. Everybody wants an excuse for getting a new car because it's fun and it's cool. And it's exciting. 
Well, right. for me, the fun wears off really fast, but maybe I'm different than most people. When I start realizing the uh, the dollars and cents of it. Yeah, you know, oddly enough, I have more money than I used to, um, but I've become painstakingly <laughs> practical about this thing. I, I, I commute in a 10-year-old car, and I really want to get rid of it and, and probably get a Tesla. Because the thing, actually, it's in the shop right now. It needs $4,500 worth of work. At least. And um, and so I, I sat down. I, I did, the, all right, if $4,500, here's the maintenance costs, the ongoing maintenance. Here's the gas prices, blah, blah, blah. And I broke it down. And there's just no justifying a new car. So I'm going to continue to drive it. Um, and that's having to make 4500 to $5,000 worth of repairs. But how many people have said, yeah, it's got $2,000 of repairs it needs. I might as well get a new one. Right. That's, Absolutely. You know, you do whatever you want. You live your life however do you want. Do the math. But do the math and take responsibility. The Wall Street Journal making it sound like this is something that happened to those people. Come on. <laughs>